What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing here for one episode 148 and alongside me as always, Dominic Jose Bazonio of SodaSoccer.com. Dom, how are we doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of lower lead stuff happening that's been fun to, to, to track and all that. So looking forward to talking about that today. Now, one minor shift in this week's episode, we're not really going to talk much Minnesota United, if at all, in this episode, because there are two episodes of Post Loons, with it being a double game week. Uh, full disclosure, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon before Minnesota United-Houston even happens, so we obviously don't know what happens in that match. So with three total podcasts coming out this week, two of them uh, directly breaking down Minnesota United matches. We'll leave the Loons talk to that, so make sure you're checking out Post Loons. Uh, on the podcast feed or your or YouTube, you know, wherever you consume your podcasts uh, for that Minnesota United discussion. So that means this week on 10K, it's going to pretty much be all lower league conversation, which is exciting. Kind of back to back to old school 10,000 pitches style, a little throwback vintage episode of 10,000 pitches for you. But this is episode 148. We are presented by SodaSoccer.com. It is your home for soccer coverage in the North, S-O-T-A Soccer.com. Make sure you are checking us out there. Make sure you're subscribing to our podcast feed leaving us a rating and review. If you are a Minnesota United fan, you are interested in keeping up with what's happening in the with uh, in Loons land, if you will. We have a daily Minnesota United Loons, Loons blah, blah, wow, daily Minnesota United <laughs> newsletter called Loons Daily. It's daily Minnesota United content, the latest news, analysis, opinion, right there in your inbox every morning. The link to subscribe to Loons Daily is down in the show notes below. Make sure you're following us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, or excuse me, Twitter, Instagram, and threads now at Soda SOC. We're threading, Dom. <laughs> are, are you threading yet? I do have a thread, threads or thread account. Uh, I haven't really used it. I, I just have it, but um, yeah. Apparently that's a thing now. It is a thing. It is a thing. It's it's very much a new thing. You can tell it's a new thing by what functionality there there is not yet on the yeah. platform. But if you're enjoying threads, good for you. You can find us there at Soda SOC as well. If you want to take that next step and directly support our work, every content creator at Soda Soccer, whether they're on the podcast, whether they're writing, they are paid for their work. Um, so if you want to help contribute to that patreon.com slash soda soccer you can get in for as low as three dollars a month but for those five and ten dollar tiers we do have some exclusive bonus tidbits there for you as well but let's jump into this as i said with the loons it is another double game week so we have two episodes of post loons episodes here in the podcast feed and on the youtube channel for you to refer to for that sort of analysis um there will be another episode of post loons saturday night following minnesota united and lafc on our youtube channel and twitter that'll go live at approximately 10 30 central time there if you want to check that out live and contribute to the show it'll also be right here on the podcast feed afterwards as well but let's jump down to mls next pro down m and ufc2 they suffer their first re- regulation time loss since june 11th they fall 2-0 to real monarchs at home uh, several Loons players stood out despite the loss. Cam Dunbar tied for most shots during the match. Juan Mascara led the game for duels, one with 10. And Jeremy Rodas had the most accurate passes with 54. Um, you know, Real Monarchs are a pretty good team. Um, so no no shame, I think, in, uh, in a narrow loss. The Dubloons had been on a heck of a run leading up to that. So just a, a little minor bump in the road. But, you know, 
you see a lot of guys coming into their own, especially with Padelford and Eway specifically getting uh, more exclusive minutes on the first team now that opens up a lot more opportunities there in MLS Next Pro for some new players. And and credit to them, they've been doing a good job getting results, just just a, a narrow loss to the Monarchs, which I don't think um, Cameron Knowles will be losing too much sleep about. No, not really. You know, obviously, uh, Minnesota United to beat Real Monarchs, uh, gosh, what was it, the first or second game of the season, and kind of a big win to start 2023. But since yep. then, the Monarchs team has, has improved quite dramatically in terms of their match-to-match form. And yeah, like you said, it's a pretty good team. Uh, and, and so I don't think there's too much uh, too much uh, tears lost over that. Uh, you know, you have some some individual players that put in good performances. Uh, overall, a relatively positive trajectory. This sort of last this back half of June into July. Um, so you know, I, I I think there's still plenty to be positive about. Like you said, you have players directly from this squad in Eway and Paddleford that are having really solid impacts with the first team right now. Um, which which I think emphasizes the progress that is being done by this group. So, um, yeah, you know, it, un- unfortunate, unfortunate to lose at home always. Uh, you would always like to do better than that. But uh, for this to be their first, you know, regulation loss in, in quite a while um, and, and a tight one with a, a good opponent, I think there's, uh, there's you know, reasons to, to stay positive and just grow from it. Yeah, and, you know, Minnesota – you know, they had their foot on the gas basically the, the entire match. They just could not find that last touch, that last, you know, goal scoring, um, you know, finish there right. to uh, get one on the board and, and keep themselves in that one. So, um, but again, um, at home at LAFC 2 on Sunday, July 16th, um, there at the NSC. So if you want to go out and check out some MNUFC 2, please do. Let's jump down to the, or jump over, I should say, laterally to the W League. Uh, Minnesota Aurora beat Chicago City 1-0 in the opening round of the playoffs. Um, outshot Chicago 28-0 in that one. Um, but with the 28 shots, Dom, the, the crazy thing is they scored on a PK. So 28 <laughs> shots in open play. No actual goals in open play, but they do finish off a PK early in the second half um, to squeak out the 1-0 win. But that um, that lack of uh, finishing, that lack of goal scoring production, unfortunately, that did linger into the conference final uh, there, the USLW League quarterfinal, if you will, um, on Saturday as Aurora fell 1-0 to Indy 11. And they fall short of repeating last year's run to the final. Obviously, they had intentions of taking that even one step further and hoisting the trophy in 2023. That does not happen. Um, 60 goals scored a USLW league record in the regular season, but just, just couldn't find one against Indy 11. We talked last week about how this would be, you know, a a pretty significant jump in competition, no disrespect to the heartland division, but you know, Aurora hadn't really yet played a team like Indy yet this season. And, um, last year it was a narrow win for Aurora against Indy 11 in the playoffs this year. It goes the other way, uh, with Indy 11, getting the narrow win over Aurora and moving on. Uh, Dom, what are your impressions? Yeah, I mean, I think this uh, this potential situation is one that that we talked a lot about through the season about how the regular season Aurora had would or benefit or not benefit uh, playoff run. And uh, you know, in, the, in these two games, you saw two very different kinds of of close games in the sense that you know mm-hmm. the first the first one is uh, really only close in terms of scoreline, but that that is the determiner. Um, and and maybe could have gone over the line a little more comfortably there. 
Uh, and then, yeah, the Indy 11 show up. And like we kind of had talked about in last episode and, and really episodes before, what was going to happen once Aurora had to play one of the other teams performing the way they were performing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have the answer here, which is that it's a close game, but it, it is a loss. Um, and, and, and so it's unfortunate to see their season end, uh, considering how, how fun and eventful it was in the regular season. Um, but I, I think I think for Aurora, it's it's unfortunate to have that momentum cut short like that. What I will say, the silver lining that people should take from all this is that this is uh, a good show of the overall quality in the W League. Um, yeah. That you can have a team that is building up speed uh, so much, obviously in Minnesota, but you know nationally, and people that follow W League all kind of talking about Minnesota Aurora this season, and then they can still, you know, lose um, at early playoff stage. Uh, that that shows that there is that depth overall in the W League, not necessarily in all the conferences, you know, team to team, uh, but overall in the league. And so I, I think that is at least a, a good silver line for people to take about the state of the W League. Um, but yeah, again, obviously unfortunate for, for this really talented group to not get more games in. Um, but I think they should certainly be very proud of, of the big second year that they were able to have. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, it's it's obviously it's obviously going to be very disappointing for Nicole Lukic and the, the players, everybody involved to to bow out at this stage. But at the same time, it's another quality opponent in Indy 11. They were right up there at the top of the power rankings with Minnesota Aurora pretty much all season long. Um, and they're a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, the rest of the way in the W League playoffs. So um, congratulations to Indy 11. Uh, congratulations to Aurora as well on a heck of a season undefeated. Um, up to that, up to that point. So uh, unblemished up to that point, uh, but just couldn't quite get past Indy 11 in the quarterfinals. I'm sure they will be one of the, uh, you know, top picks uh, to win the title once again in 2024, Walt Minnesota Aurora. So I'm looking to uh, looking forward to that and uh, and what next season brings for them. Uh, USL league two men's side. Now St. Croix beat Rochester three nil. Um, which doesn't do much for their USL League 2 playoff hopes, but it does clinch a 2024 Minnesota Super Cup spot for St. Croix. So, and they're a team that's looking to get into the knockout rounds in 2023 as well, um, you know, still in that tournament. So um, credit to them for clinching that 2024 spot. Um, They have 15 points on the USL League 2 season so far. And then elsewhere, Minneapolis City get four points from their Canadian road trip. They keep their hope alive for a Minnesota Super Cup spot next year. If they can jump Rochester, each team has one game remaining. Rochester are two points ahead of City. So if you do the math, City needs to win and Rochester needs to lose. I don't have the schedule in front of me to see which team is playing. I believe Minneapolis City is playing RKC third coast. I'm not sure who Rochester plays um, in their final match of the regular season here. But, um, you know, even though those two teams are kind of near the bottom of the USL two table, there is a lot to play for in terms of that 2024 Minnesota super cup, which I think is just another cool element to this tournament being here is it makes these games more uh, meaningful down the stretch, even if you're not necessarily competing for a playoff spot in your own league. Yeah, it is kind of cool that you have almost a situation that, I mean, it almost, you almost think of like uh in in professional leagues saying you're europe you'll have teams that aren't quite able to compete for the title at the end of the season but it's about like well can we clinch that champions league europa you know europa league whatever it is that kind of can we can we um you know 
still clinch this competition for next season. It's kind of cool to have that dynamic. Um, and, you know, St. Croix, obviously, uh, yeah, trying to push their way into the uh, the knockout stage in the current tournament, um, easily having the best USL uh, lead two season of the three Minnesotan teams as of now. So, you know, very deserved. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really, really fun to see what they uh, what they can do next year, along with this year in the competition. Yes. And uh, I, I think I'm actually mistaken here. I'm looking at the USL League Two website, and I think Minneapolis City still has their makeup game with FC Manitoba, which I see as being played on Thursday. So technically two more uh, games for Minneapolis okay. City, one more for Rochester. So a game in hand, if you will, yeah. for the Crows, which is going to be or it's obviously going to be big for them. So yeah. A pair of draws. I don't know what the goal differential looks like, to be honest. Um, you know, they're obviously going to be big fans of Bavarian against uh, Rochester on Saturday. But so still a lot to play for, obviously, as we mentioned uh, down the stretch here, the last couple of games of the USL League Two season. Um, NPSL regular season all but over here. And we uh, we have the four teams who are going to be, uh, you know, and we know the seating, we know everything for the NPSL North playoffs, which are happening this week as we're recording here. Um, Duluth complete their undefeated regular season, 4-1 to one win over the Dakota Fusion to uh, really make a statement in that final regular season game. They become the second team ever in the NPSL North to have an undefeated regular season. Shout out 2018 Minneapolis City SC as the uh, other, other team to do so. Duluth and Med City have been granted the 2024 Minnesota Super Cup spots for the NPSL. Um, Duluth finishes first. And Med City finishes third as that second Minnesota team. Um, they sandwiched in Dakota Fusion there in second. Dom, there was some talk, because Dakota technically plays in Moorhead, that they yeah. would be eligible, potentially, for the 2024 Super Cup based off that fact. But it looks like that's that's not the case with Duluth and Med City getting those slots. Yeah, I mean, there's always been a little bit of, of discourse, I think, about where officially are the Dakota Fusion actually based um, just because they have for their entire existence played in Minnesota. They have never played in North Dakota. They only play in Moorhead. Um, but the team does technically base itself in Fargo when they played in the open cup in 2018, they were noted as the first North Dakotan team to play in the open cup. So there, there's, there's a little bit of formalities that go either way on that mm. one. Um when when the when the Minneapolis City Citizens had the Minnesota Cup, for example, that they kept points kept track of points for, I recall there being some of the conversation about do points against the Fusion count as that? Because it was only <laughs> only when it was only results between Minnesotan teams and you know that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, it's always been a conversation. Uh, the, the Super Cup, I think, just provided suddenly this this sort of spotlight on it uh, for obvious reasons this this season. So. Uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, for the Fusion, it may be unfortunate they don't get to take part um, given how, how good a season they had. But I can understand the Super Cup's perspective on not including them. Um, so, you know, I think it's one of those things where both 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 sides of um, of that argument, if, if you even want to call it that, probably have uh, a point. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're left with what we have, which is the Dakota Fusion in the eyes of the Super Cup are a North Dakota team. They are not a Minnesota team. And, and so Med City get it again. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So I look at some other, you know, teams in that area, you know, there's the, there's the independent league baseball team, the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks. Right. And they call themselves Fargo Moorhead. So they kind of, again, adopt both sides of the border there. 
where Dakota Fusion keeps firmly that Dakota branding, which which makes sense, being one of the only um, one of the only you know uh, adult you know legitimate soccer teams in in North Dakota. That makes a lot of sense for them as well. So um, yeah, I'll be interesting to see if this adjusts in the future, if this changes in the future, because obviously Dakota were a really competitive team, you know, second behind Duluth in the NPSL North would have been interesting to see how they would fare in a, in a Minnesota super cup, but you can also see the, the super cup side of this thing, you know, the Dakota fusion, not being eligible for the Minnesota super cup. So, um, you know, I'm sure things will get more ironed out and, you know, maybe there'll be some sort of application process in the future where, you know, a team like Dakota can, uh, can do that. But in any case, um, it will be Duluth and Med City qualifying for the Super Cup. And so here's how the semifinals and finals will shake out for the NPSL North. So as we're recording here on Wednesday, this is when the semifinals happen. It'll be Duluth versus Twin Stars and Dakota Fusion against Med City. And then the final will be Saturday on the 15th. So if you uh, are a Patreon at patreon.com slash SodaSock and you're tuning into this early, all of this information is very much up to date and accurate. If you are not a patron and you're getting this episode on Friday, you know which two teams will be in the NPSL North final on Saturday. Um, one final note on Dakota Fusion, their uh, their striker, Yu Sukunome, wins the NPSL Golden Boot. 16 goals on the season, second NPSL North player to do so. Obviously, Sydney Wharton being the last one. Uh, I believe that was 2021 season. Don, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. yep. Um, so and bizarrely cool. with 16 goals <laughs> and with 16 goals as well. So we, you know, that, that tear that Sydney Warden was on that we just kept yeah. talking about time and time again in 2021. Uh, Yusuke here, he scores the exact same amount of goals that Sydney Warden yeah. sc- scored in the regular season. And yet he kind of, he kind of flew under the radar a little, uh, bit. a little bit in this, um, but obviously was a big uh, difference maker for a team that uh that really took a big step forward in 2023 yeah absolutely uh you know so sukanome was not at the uh duluth fusion game that just happened he was uh my understanding is that he was ill so he did he did not come uh i think a point to keep track of is if the fusion beat med city if he's available for that game first of all if they beat med city and then the fusion rematch duluth it would be interesting to see what the fusion could do with potentially him available uh, for that game because he's had a wonderful season this is a, a a guy that you know was very new to to uh this level of the game in the u.s and has made a huge impact has been an absolute star for the fusion um i think has probably flew under the radar a little bit just because you know kind of duluth's been doing really well and all that kind of stuff um but yeah really really cool for him and in a season of NPSL North stuff where there's been a lot of, you know, really cool like records and stuff, you know, with mm-hmm. him bringing this to the fusion with Duluth getting the the second unbeaten regular season ever uh, in the conference and the great season they've had defensively as well as as the the attack. Um, you know, other things like the cross Eris uh, for the first time will not finish bottom of this conference. Uh, they finished mm-hmm. second to bottom, I think a point above uh, the Sioux Falls Thunder who finished bottom for the first time. So uh, there's been a lot of little interesting things this season um, across all the different teams. And, and what's really fun, obviously, with the Fusion and Duluth news is both these teams are in the playoffs as well. So they're going to be fighting for for even more spotlight um, at a national level. But uh, but yeah, uh, huge congrats to Sukunome for, for his season and congrats to Eris for their season. And of course, a huge congrats to Duluth for a, a really remarkable season um, with, you know, I, I think, 
the trajectory of Sean Morgan's time with this team becoming clearer and clearer every year with, with the way this team improves defensively and on the attack. Um, so yeah, really, really, really impressive from all parties involved. UPSL, uh, Minneapolis city, their, uh, playoff run comes to an end in the round of 32. Um, they lose a really intense game down South. This is played in Kansas city and, and it really was a home game for sporting Wichita there and, uh, futures go down there and they go, they go down two nil, but they get one back very late on and, and kept pushing for the equalizer. But unfortunately it didn't come two one. the final sporting Wichita moves on to the round of 16. Um, and that ends the futures season. But I mean, when you look at, if you look at the season overall, you know, a wide open UPSL, a lot of really good teams, huge credit to the futures for finishing as strong as they did kind of sticking out above the pack um, in the regular season. And then winning the following that up by winning the conference tournament and getting that bit into the national playoffs, um, really successful season for them. I'm sure everybody involved with that program is very proud for what they've been able to do and what some of those players outlook might be for the senior team as, as they look into the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they should be very proud of what they've been able to put together this year. Um, some of the players uh, in the Futures team this season have just had phenomenal years. I think of Carter Hermanson. I think of Kamel Tu. Um, mm-hmm. Some of these guys have just had really phenomenal. Uh, some of these guys, by the way, kind of making their first big full season at this level. Yep. Um, have had a really great year. So so full credit to them. Uh, ends up, you know, ending maybe a little earlier than they would have liked in the playoffs but obviously that is part of the the risk with those playoff tournaments is you can get um surprised um sometimes by results so unfortunately they couldn't take it further but they should be very proud of the uh regular season and and playoff titles that they uh won in the midwest west and uh yeah we're really looking forward to seeing what a lot of those guys who are on the early side of their college careers and and some of them maybe even at the tail end of their high school careers what they can do in this coming fall and, and of course prepping for next season as well. And then looking at division one, it's, it was an upset for Leon FC. Yeah. Not only did they beat Bateau in the semifinals, they go on and they win the whole dang thing. Uh, topping regular season champions, 1826 Academy in the playoff final. So they win the conference tournament championship to Leon FC. So that means they also will be promoted to the UPSL Premier Division next season. So both Leon FC and 1826 Academy are going up, and uh, Granite City and Maple Brook will be going down to Division One. A lot of talk about ProRel uh, this week, Dom, which I think okay. a conversation we'll get into in just a minute here um, as far as that pertains to, to nationwide soccer as a whole. But, I mean, this kind of, again, adds a lot of excitement to what the UPSL brings to the local soccer landscape that other leagues might not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is frankly something, at least in Minnesota, that is brand new, really, at this level of game. I know the UPSL has done this in some other regions before. But the fact that we have promotion and relegation, for that matter, as an option, I think at this level is really exciting. I know when I uh, talk to both organizations uh, in the past that that had been something that they were really excited about the opportunity to potentially next year or the year after be playing week in week out, you know, teams like Valora, Minneapolis city, St. Croix, um, high level teams. Uh, And so, yeah, it's really cool to see that be part of the puzzle for organizations for whatever reason, weren't in the premier division this year uh, to be able to earn their way up there. And, you know, through that be, in contention for 
the Minnesota Super Cup and to some degree the Open Cup and you know all these sorts of things by being part of the Premier Division. Um, so that's really exciting. This game was really fun. I went to this game. Uh, there'll, there'll, there'll be something up on the site at some point about it. Um, it was a really fun game. Uh, good, good crowd from both kind of communities that these two teams represent. Leon are um, predominantly based in the Mexican community in the Metro and uh, 1826 are predominantly based in the Somali population in uh, the Metro. Um, and those two communities came out big for the teams and, and really cheered on and it was a great atmosphere. Both, both teams clearly went for it. I wasn't sure going to this game, you know, what are, what are the motivations going to be for these two teams? Because they essentially already had promotion clinched. Um, but they both clearly wanted that trophy. Mm -hmm. uh, they had every intent of winning it. It was a really intense game. It was a one nil win for Lyon late, but both teams had big opportunities, big saves. Um, so yeah, it was just a really fun night at uh, St. Louis Park. Uh, high school that's where they play the game um both teams played really well this season and, and certainly deserve a shot at a higher level so yeah no it was just a really cool opportunity to see something like this happen in, in minnesota and see you know some of these players have well they all have families but some of them have kids and and spouses and stuff they were celebrating with after the game and you know all this kinds of stuff it's just fun to see that level of investment in a game uh, at that lower league level so i think it's a really cool first chapter in the UPSL tr trying this in Minnesota. Um, mm -hmm. I think it sets a good precedent for what can happen in the future. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, hopefully it can be maintained next year. You know, you see between the teams that have gone down and the teams that are staying in division one, there's going to be plenty of teams next year that could be exciting additions to uh, the premier division, whether it's a return of someone like Granite city representing St. Cloud or the first promotion for someone like Bateau representing mm -hmm. Eau Claire. Um, I think it's a really cool system that the UPSL is trying to 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 manifest at this level of the game. So yeah, yeah, all, all great. Hundred percent agree, and uh, that's it just adds another layer of excitement to the world of Minnesota soccer and a, a great first season for that division overall as well. A really good yeah. showing, and um, everybody involved, every team in that division should be very proud of, of what they brought to the landscape this year. Um, and to wrap things up in the WPSL, though, Minnesota Thunder Academy win the Northern Conference. But they did turn down a playoff berth. Therefore, it's Salvo who are set to play the Milwaukee Torrent in the first round of the playoffs, July 15th. I believe Salvo were the representatives last year as yep. well for the Northern Conference. So um, interesting. But obviously, this is it's such a short season, and there are reasons for that. Players and, and you know, they have other other responsibilities, other teams they have to go to, you know, their their school implications. There's a lot of different reasons. You know, we haven't necessarily dug in as to what the reasoning was for MTA, but you know, this is this is really just seen as that summer stay in shape, you know, play competitive soccer uh, type deal for a lot of these teams and a lot of these players. So it's not super shocking that a team would turn down uh, playoffs in lieu of some of the other responsibilities that they have going on on the latter part of the summer. Yeah, uh, I imagine, you know, obviously MTA is a massive organization. Um, these players, of course, many of which have college responsibilities coming up. There clearly something was at play. They decided this wasn't an option. But, uh, if, you know, for what it's worth, Salvo were a very competitive second place. This is by no means like a team that was like 12 points behind suddenly getting in the playoffs. This was, you know, a, a Salvo team that was very much competing for the title. They were the reigning champs as well from last season, as you noted. So um, I, I think it's still going to be an exciting playoff matchup. I think it's cool that we're going to have a playoff matchup for the WPSL where a team like Salvo are playing a team with some sense of regional connection, like the Torrent, 
Yep. Last year, I believe they played um, the Colorado Rapids women's team yep. in, I forget if it was in Colorado, but it wasn't. I believe here, it anyways. was. I believe it was. In um, and so, you know, I, that's awesome, but it's fun to see something where there's going to be a little more, it's a little easier, I think, to get people invested in something like Salvo versus Milwaukee, yep. um, where there's going to be a little more regional, regional energy there. Um, so I think that's kind of a fun, fun addition. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, congrats to MTA for the great regular season and, and getting the regular season uh, title there, um, beating out Salvo, the reigning champs, but also obviously best of luck to Salvo with this playoff opportunity and hopefully they can, can take it far. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really uh, cool to see how they do kind of branching out nationally, uh, similar to kind of Aurora, right? You play you know, your entire season sort of in this bubble of your own conference, and you actually get that opportunity to kind of venture outside of that once the playoffs come around. So um, uh, good luck to Salvo. Interested to see how they how they do on Saturday. Saturday is going to be a busy day in the world of Minnesota soccer. Again, you have the MPSL North Conference Final on Saturday. You have Minnesota United and LAFC at Allianz Field. You have this WPSL matchup between Salvo and Milwaukee Torrance. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some other games and interesting things happening, but in the world of uh, Minnesota soccer on Saturday, I'm sure Forward Madison probably plays on Saturday. So um, yeah, a lot to um, a lot to get excited about and a lot to look forward to. Uh, in the uh, in the local soccer calendar as we kind of move further into July here. Uh, Dom, since we're not talking Minnesota United and we have a little bit of time left on the podcast, let's uh, let's go ahead and touch on, in my opinion, probably the biggest news in American soccer this week. Um, okay, some people might think it's Leo Messi actually making the trip to Miami, which, okay, now that I say that, you know, might take precedent. But also, the USL, per a, uh, an article by Tom Bogert and Jeff Reuter in The Athletic, is going to actually move forward with a vote on whether to adopt promotion and relegation within USL. Um, this could start as early as 2025, according to, uh, according to the article. And, you know, this has been long discussed. I believe it first came up in the owner meetings in 2021, um, on the Talk and Flock podcast at the time, Rob Chapel and I spoke to uh, Madison COO Connor Kaloya about that topic, and he would seem very much on board with the idea of USL adopting promotion relegation. Obviously, for a team like Madison, that would mean they would have an opportunity to jump up to the championship. So I'm sure they would be, uh, you know, eager to uh, to embrace something like that. But Dom, your your initial thoughts on on USL actually moving forward this, this with this? This is something we've discussed hypothetically as something we thought would be a good good idea considering how close these two leagues are in quality uh especially when you talk about the top of league one versus the kind of the mid to bottom of the championship now it seems like it's actually on the horizon yeah i mean obviously the to state the obvious this is really interesting and exciting news to to think about i think first of all a couple of details of this that i i think and this is coming from there's been some great reporting from um the athletic on this. Uh, so a lot of this is coming from the great reporting from them, but um, this, so part of the announcement or part of the, the report was that the USL wants to have a three professional tiers um, for, for the men's side. I think some people interpreted that as involving league two. The, my understanding is it has nothing to do with league two. League two would remain amateur. What it sounds more like the USL wants to do is to make a first division league and then have that to League One be the three-tier system. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like in 20, if this passed in 2024, there'd be some reorganization of the league at a, at a large level that would probably rearrange teams and new members into those, those three leagues. Um, so you would have, you know, promotion and relegation between those three, which just within the amateur, or excuse me, just within the professional, uh, ranks of the USL. Um, I think it's a really interesting, uh, experiment. I would love to see at the professional level in the United States. Uh, I've always been a um, promotion relegation supporter. That's that's always been something I've felt since I became involved in the American soccer scene, um, particularly at the at the local level. Uh, I think the fact that we don't have any form of that right now is a problem. I think mm-hmm. that the transition is going to involve some bumps. You know, there's been yeah, there's been course. people who have um, countered this with saying like, "Well, what if this happens?" I think there's going to be some what ifs that happen. I think there's going to be some transitional hiccups. Uh, you know, I can think of some, right? I mean, for example, there are USL teams that are owned by the same people. So that's not going to work, right? They're going to have mm-hmm. to do something about that. If Look at what's going to happen with Milwaukee. The right. team that owns the team of Milwaukee is the same ownership that owns Forward Madison in the right. League One. So, so there's going to be some things they're going to have to figure out. I mean, in other leagues, there's things like if you have two teams owned by if you have a second team, for example, they can't get promoted to the same league as the first team, stuff like that. I don't know if that will be implemented. They'll have to figure that out. The point is, there's going to be challenges. I have hope that the USL can figure out those challenges and get to the other side of those challenges in a reasonable way and create a functioning system. Um, I, my, my thing with promotion relegation has always been, I take issue with the idea that many um, uh, American critics take which is that well it's too complicated the american soccer scene isn't strong enough to support that amount of movement the fact is virtually every other country in the world including some with barely functioning economies have promotion relegation in their leagues like i mean to be perfectly blunt in the midst of a dire financial crisis league of foot had promotion and relegation like mm-hmm. it's it's clearly possible it's clearly possible anywhere, anywhere where people have any resources. It is a possible system. If you want it to be run perfectly, that requires trial and error, but it is a possible thing to pull off. Go ask people in every other part of the world, every other part of the world, save like two other countries. Um, so that, that to me is exciting that someone is finally going to be pushing this over the line. From a USL specific perspective, there's obviously a dynamic of they're, they're trying to um, create something that differentiates them from MLS because MLS is, you know, I, I think it's fair to say quite strongly pulling away with certain recent developments uh, in terms of um, their media capture compared to USL and USL needs ways to, to, to push those boundaries. This is a way to do that. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I hope that the end result, I, I don't have any particular uh, attachment to the USL as an organization, but my hope is that the end result of all of this is that whatever is left is a improved environment for American soccer, for American soccer clubs, players, staff, et cetera, fans. Um, so uh, I, I, I'm glad that someone's taking up the torch, taking up the challenge to do this at a high level. And uh, we will have to see first how this vote goes, assuming that it passes. Um, we will have to see what, what will probably be a, a multi-year, maybe decade-long sort of experiment. But uh, I'm excited yep. for it. Yeah, and that that word you used at the end there is big experiment. 
at the end of the day, this is an experiment to see how this works in American soccer. And I think there, there's a lot of what ifs. You mentioned the ownership thing. Putting a new league between the championship and league one, adding a new league that is going to go between the championship and league one is also another big question here as to how that's going to work. Obviously their hope I think is that the championship becomes a first division league and then you're able to have a uh, second division league that replaces the championship and then league one remains third division. That's probably what it is. It'd be really interesting to see if they end up with two teams in the same tier or two leagues, excuse me, in the same tier and how that, how that would end up working. Um, You know, I I like the idea of this. Personally, I almost think they should just simplify it and just start with promotion relegation between the two and just see how that goes first. And then maybe try to add a third league, but there are smarter minds than mine uh, at work here. So um, I don't want to say I, you know, uh, my opinion has, has much weight in this at all, but I also think, one of the you know new teams that get added into the system. How do they get added? Do they get added at the top? Do they get added at the bottom? Does it depend on how much they pay? Mm. Like, you know, what does that look like? And, and how do they make that fair to the rest of the teams who have already existed in that structure, in that league up until this point? That's all a lot of questions, but I do think the... The pros outweigh the potential cons that come that come out here. I think USL was always the league that this was going to be implemented in because they don't have teams play, paying three hundred fifty million dollars to join the league. Um, you know, if you if you look at you know San Diego, for example, the you know the the bid that just got accepted uh, for MLS. You really want to tell them that there's a chance they can be relegated after spending almost four hundred million dollars in a in a expansion, or I think more than five hundred probably in an expansion fee? Probably not. You know, MLS can be that closed system that, you know, regular American sports league and USL can have that, that promotion and relegation if they can do it right. I like this. I do want to address some things I saw on Twitter of uh, USL has to do this. This is something that USL has to do um, because they're never going to be able to compete with major league soccer otherwise. I think that is extremely, extremely dismissive of what USL has done up until this point. Mm -hmm. USL does not have to compete with MLS to be a self-sustaining, successful soccer organization in American soccer. I think what they have done, infiltrating certain markets, maximizing those markets, both in the championship and League One. I mean, just like MLS, they have markets that don't get a lot of fan support and don't get a lot of this and that. And like, that's going to happen no matter what. But you look at some of the, you know, Madison being a a glowing example, Indianapolis being a glowing, glowing example, Richmond being a glowing example. They have brought something really, really, um, for lack of a better term, and to completely minimize this positive to American soccer and having that alternative to to MLS. Yeah. You know, there are probably 15,000 people who watch a given game on ESPN plus that is fine. You don't have to be getting millions of people watching your games and to be successful. Um, So I think that is dismissive of what, what USL has built both in the championship and league one to this point. I think it was always the next evolution, but to call it necessary for their future and to keep existing as an entity, I don't agree with. But I love the fact that they're going to be ambitious and try this. Yeah, I did see that there were some people, I think, drawing the conclusion that this was sort of a way to react to the uh, Apple TV and deal and the messy news. That's definitely not true because this was being talked about before those happened. Correct. Um, so, I mean, 
does it does it help them in that i guess yeah but uh i wouldn't call it a reaction to those things um and yeah i mean look i i, I think the usl championship particularly ha has done a very good job of making a, a good alternative to mls to at least some degree as a second division league um they've done a good job of of developing and the individual clubs have done a good job of developing a lot of markets into really robust soccer communities uh you know i um saw on on twitter that um andrew nelson who has written for the site um did a, a quick little thread that i thought was kind of interesting where he compared the usl championship and then a bunch of other second divisions around the world western europe south america a bunch of different notable second divisions the attendances the best three attendances and worst three attendance averages for six teams in each and the, the usl championships are pretty much the same as all of the other places i think people see some usl championship teams and go oh well that's not a lot of people but they're not thinking about what the attendance is for a second division match in italy either they don't yeah. know those numbers so they're comparing what you know ins i'm not going to name drop insert whatever usl championship team that gets you know less than five thousand. they think of that and are trying to compare it to liverpool or ac milan or whatever that's not who you should be comparing it to <laughs> yeah. that's not what that team is trying to be now if the usl is trying to create a first division product they're going to have to address that to some degree but i think the fact that they we don't know what that looks like yet because they haven't tried it so to say that they can't do it, it seems a little uh, unnecessarily harsh. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've, they've done a great job with what they've tried so far. Um, and and I'm, I'm hoping that they can pull this off. And, yeah, look, MLS is going to continue to exist. This is not going to cause the downfall of anything. But I think it would be interesting to have both leads exist uh, parallel and over time to see how – um the two systems benefit one or the other i mean you, you look at the fact that the usl has gotten a lot of attention from international scouts a lot of their players are getting signed to uh teams in europe that shows some level of strength in the usl that isn't necessarily always there in mls so uh, i think it's gonna be interesting to see this battle kind of continue and grow um but i i think that the fact that someone's trying to make it happen is good for american soccer yeah, and I think if, if this works, which I, I think we kind of both hope and, and think it probably will, it does it does both things I think USL would want to accomplish with this. It boosts the interest in each market, right? If you're a Milwaukee sports fan, for example, let's say Milwaukee is in the second division of USL or whatever, and they have an opportunity to get promoted to the first division. I feel like you would have you would all of a sudden be more interested in that team with that storyline behind them than you would if they're just playing in a league and it's a professional league and they're a professional team. It's all cool. Maybe, you know, it's a cool match day experience, whatever. That just adds that new layer of interest. Also, the 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 casual sports fan that loves storylines, that loves an underdog story, that loves, you know, all these things about sports, the drama aspect of it. Promotion relegation adds that in tons. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you're going to pull in a lot of more casual sports fans to the USL product that might not even know it exists at this point. Right. So that's, I, I think it's a twofold benefit there for USL that if it works and if they can get it right, I mean, they have a lot of, they have a lot of hoops to jump through to make this happen as we've mentioned in this conversation down, but um, looking at what could be with this is very, very exciting. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think that it's important that this alternative exists in some way. So, um, yeah, just, just happy to know that that's something that might be in the future. All right. That'll do it for this episode of 10,000 Pitches. Before we go, want to let you know about our friends at Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com slash loons. When you go there, you get a free $20 credit in your account. And you're thinking, Jeremy, $20 to do what? Well, Better Edge is a social betting platform. That means you can go to Better Edge and make wagers with or against your friends on MLS, UEFA Champions League, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, NFL season's coming up, college football is coming up. Uh, doesn't matter what league, what sport. Um, they mo- WNBA is on uh, is on Better Edge as well, so you can bet on all that. BetterEdge.com. And you, when you bet on Better Edge, you're not betting against Better Edge. Better Edge is not a sports book that profits off of your loss. They are a platform that facilitates wagers and betting with between users on the platform. So you're betting against other users on the platform when you're betting on Better Edge, which is why Better Edge is, for, is legal to use in Minnesota and 46 other states. And like I said, if you go to betteredge.com slash loons, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons uh, and sign up there, you will get a $20 credit in your account today. Big thanks to our friends at Better Edge for supporting the show. Dom, any last words before you get to your lunch? uh last words uh well gosh what is it here's 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 one thing i i was thinking about with that leon uh 1826 game i just think it's so fun you know in, in lower leagues sometimes there's this pursuit of uh well there's always this pursuit of audience capture right you're trying to get people's attention um and you you think of you know, the second division of an amateur league, what is that going to look like in terms of people's interest? Um, it doesn't sound on paper like it's going to be a lot. And, and some of the regular season games, I'm sure, did not have big crowds. But what, it's really cool to see people show up and be really, like, intense and passionate about something like that. I think it's a good reminder that, you know, as, as all this promotion relegation USL stuff is going on, which obviously has something to do with the amateur game, it's just like a really cool reminder of like the the power and intensity that exists for just community rep- representation um, on the pitch, whatever it actually, whatever the paperwork is. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that was really cool to see. You know, eight, both those teams do a re- are doing really good work representing their communities. 1826 are a really interesting operation doing all kinds of stuff uh, globally, uh, which is cool, cool to see. But uh, yeah, just, just some, something to, to, remember is just like how how fun it is in the local game that you can get people interested in something almost regardless of what the 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 paper trail is of what it represents at some sort of like ussf level Mm -hmm. um so just just something to to think about because i I had a really fun time experiencing that uh, last week awesome that is a great note to end on. He is Dominic Jose Bazonio. I'm Jeremy Rushing. This has been the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. Big thanks to Better Edge, our sponsors this week. Big thanks to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash soda soccer. Again, you can support what we do at patreon.com slash soda soccer for as low as $3 per month. Till then, we'll be back Saturday for MNUFC LAFC post loons about 1030 Central Time. And then Dom and I will be back as always next Friday for another episode of 10K. Have a great weekend, everybody.